Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. It is Thursday, late afternoon, early evening out here in Ashburn. The team is uh, wrapped up practice today. We just got done with the locker room and the various press conferences, um, and we're going to get to today's podcast episode here in a moment. Two great guests for you. First off, uh, continuing my tradition of uh, th- this season of talking with our guy Al Galdi every week. We spoke uh, earlier this week, just kind of you know touching base on where things stand for this team at two and three, coming off that brutal start against the Bears. Um, and then in addition to that, my colleague who covers the Falcons for the Athletic, Josh Kendall, joined me they're kind of in the similar boat to Washington. I don't think they feel particularly great about everything that's going on, but at the same point, they've got a lot of nice pieces. They are three and two. Their issue is sort of the quarterback question. Whereas like Desmond Ritter is coming off a pretty good game last week, but overall has been not particularly dynamic. Um, Whereas like Sam Howell here has been pretty solid, but suddenly the rest of the pieces around him have gotten, a little suspect. So talk about the matchup and where things stand with the Falcons going into this week. So I'll get to all that in a moment here on the podcast. Of course, make sure you subscribe iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you do your podcasting. Um, Athletic, I've got a new story up today. If you didn't see it, I thought it was a good one. Terry McLaurin, we were talking at his locker yesterday, a few of us were, and he spoke about how kind of like what he did over the weekend last weekend to sort of flush out that bears game and, and try to regroup. And he ended up at King's dominion, um, tried to go incognito, but randomly ran into a kid wearing a McLaurin Jersey and things went from there. So it was a fun story. Also just talking about, you know, what do they need to do to, you know, to kind of get this going again. So we'll get to all that here in a moment. Um, at the, t- the at this moment that we're speaking, I have not they've not sent out the updated injury report, so don't know if there's anything new. But just based on what I could see, didn't I don't think we noticed anybody missing. Uh, Curtis Samuel was on the injury report the previous day with a finger issue, but he was out there today and seemed to be in good spirits post game. Charles Leno the same. So um, other than the fact that Derek Forrest and Jeremy Reeves went on IR this week, I'm not sure if there's any other injuries that we need to be tracking here, but obviously we will keep an eye out ahead of <clears throat> ahead of the game. Um, you know, I, I would just say in general, whether we're talking to the players, today the coordinator spoke, certainly nobody's hitting the panic button, or at least they're not talking about that with us. And I do think it is important to remember, it is only week five. It is two and three. The fact that the rest of us have these thoughts about hey, we've seen this story before. It's the fourth year in a row under Rivera with a slow start. When is this going to turn around? Getting back to 500, which they've done the previous three years, essentially isn't good enough, right? All that aside, all that's fair, but all that aside, it is still pretty early in the year. So hopefully the team can figure out how to get going here. Um, You know, the best news is that Sam Howe has has looked pretty decent. Um... And I think, you know, that is what matters most. You've heard me talk about the big picture before. you got to get out of that of the league middle. Win a bunch of games, lose a bunch of games, but you got to get out of the middle. Um, uh, but most of all, if you can turn Sam Howell into a real thing, 
at the most important position, that would be huge, and there's at least some hope that is heading in that direction, but a long way to go. He's obviously got to work on um, getting the, you know, the sack issue, as does the line. Atlanta is a <laughs> porous team, to say the least, when it comes to taking down the quarterback, as are the Giants next week. So this is a good opportunity for Howell and the line to um, improve there. But we said the same thing broadly about this team last week against the Bears, and we saw how that went. Um, like I said, not not necessarily a newsy day out here. We did get to speak to Eric Bieniemy and Jack Del Rio for the first time since really before the Philly game, because last week on a short week they didn't talk, and then Thursday is their uh, scheduled day to go. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily know that they said anything that you wouldn't expect. You know, you got to play better, got to play smarter. It's not anybody's fault. All those kinds of things. Um, you may have seen on social media. I had a uh, fun exchange with Jack Del Rio. I was trying to artfully ask. I've asked before how he thinks Cody Barton's doing, and he gave sort of the general answers. Um, you know, he's fine, but I think he'll keep doing better, etc. I tried this time to ask a little more directly. Hey, he's not been playing well. But I threw out some sort of like, you know, people are saying, which is not really what my intention was. And then he said to me, well, who, who are the people? And hilarity went from there. He is like one of the lowest rated defenders in pro football focus. He has been consistently Washington's, you know, basically worst defender week in, week out. Um, and, and, you know, I don't necessarily put a ton of stock into their grades. I think their statistics are, are helpful, the, what they track. The grades, it's you know, a lot more subjective, of course, but nonetheless, I think the eye test speaks to some of that as well. Anyway, um, Del Rio didn't give much of an answer there in any direction, but needless to say, it is something they need to uh, figure out how to get better. I did ask because we've all had a, you know wondered, hey, Khalid Hudson, what's going on there? How come he doesn't play? I, I think Hudson would be more of a if Jamin Davis were to get hurt kind of a guy, but he is out uh, or, you know, he, Del Rio just said basically, yeah, it's the, it's a depth thing. There's just there's just nowhere for him to play. They only play the two linebackers and so on. Uh, I did talk when I talked to Logan Paulson the other day, and if you missed that conversation, it was a really good one. I did bring up, hey, could is it possible? Could we see a world where Hudson is a um, Buffalo nickel kind of guy, especially with, with Forrest and Reeves out? Uh, Logan didn't really think that was the move, but nonetheless, we did talk about that among a myriad of other topics regarding the, the secondary, the defense, and uh, the offensive line, etc. So you can check that out if you have not seen, if you've not listened to that yet. Um, all right, let's get to my conversation. Oh, actually, I, I will say one last thing with regards to Biennemi. I also asked Biennemi. You know, I've, I've mentioned it before that sometimes it feels like he's calling the offense for the Chiefs. And one example would be that Logan Thomas is leading the team in targets. Now, that may not necessarily be the design, but that's what's transpired. So I asked him, is that sort of by design? The last place you had, the tight end, certainly had a lot of <laughs> had the most targets. Um, or is that just kind of the defenses taking away the receivers are trying to? And he said it was a little bit of both, but, you know, and also that they don't mind getting the ball to Logan Thomas, which is, of course is, is reasonable and fair, but also you know that they, that they would like to get the ball to the receivers more as well in general. The enemy talks a lot of lot lot, lot of platitudes. Um, you know, it's it, it, uh, the conversation. You know, when he speaks with us, 
it's a very you know energetic passionate discussion from him without necessarily tons of details but you know he basically said hey you know we've been playing like you know not not that great collectively uh, on offense as well and that they've got to do better and i'm not saying that that's like some you know he's, he's splitting the atom with those kinds of thoughts but at least it felt there was a little more acknowledgement that they've got to pick up the pace here. Um, JP Finley, our pal at NBC's uh, 4 and w, uh, 106.7, the fan, uh, said that this is the first time enemy has been on a team that's lost three in a row since 2017. So it's not something he has experienced much. Obviously, the Chiefs have been uh, one of the better teams in the league for the past you know several years. So not a lot of losses there that enemy's had to deal with. So perhaps to some degree this is a new deal, but nonetheless, they're all going to have to figure this out and soon um i will be in atlanta i should say on sunday so i will be talking to you from there but right now you'll hear me talk first with our pal al galdi from the al galdi podcast and then again my colleague covering the falcons with the athletic josh kendall let's do that right now here on the standard groom only podcast we're back again my guy al galdi is with me as we're doing now every week this week he's on my podcast next week i'll be out back on his i think you guys get the routine by now um, and uh, Al, of course, you know, it's been particularly it's been on my end. These like issues that have popped up right when we're starting the podcast. Uh, I've had mic issues today. We have transaction issues. Nothing we didn't necessarily already know. Some minor things we didn't. But they the team put Derek Forrest and Jeremy Reeves on IR officially today and added a couple other guys uh, to the roster and the practice squad. Um the one thing this team has had going for it through five weeks has been health. I mean, other than Chase Young missing the opener and Logan Thomas missing one game with a concussion, they've been pretty healthy. And uh, now two notable injuries happen. What was your reaction when you heard about Forrest and Reeves going out? Yeah, I mean, you knew that there would be significant injuries at some point. You always hope for, like, the best injury luck possible. But, I mean, we know how the NFL is. Like, you're not going to go through the entirety of a season without at least some key guys getting hurt uh, to significant degrees. And, you know, now we unfortunately have that. I mean, I don't think that Forrest was playing at his best, but he obviously is a key guy in the secondary. He's a guy who, when he is playing well, can be really good. We certainly saw that last season. And, you know, all this talk about the rookies and why isn't the rookie class contributing a lot? Well, you would think that this now does throw Quan Martin into the fire. And, you know, it's amazing. I mean, he has not played on a single defensive snap over the team's first five regular season games. I would assume that that's going to change. I mean, I, I would think Percy Butler plays a lot more. But you got to think Quan Martin's going to see some time on the field at this point. So let's see. I mean, a second-round pick should be a guy who can be a good player for you. And uh, Quan will be put to the test. Uh, rather soon here, it would seem. Yeah, you know, you're, you're right about Derek Forrest. You know, there's been so many other things that um, have happened. We haven't really discussed uh, him per se. I mean, I don't know if you have or not, but it's not been like top of mind for me. But I was looking this up before the injury was announced. Um, and that he's had more missed tackles this year, according to Pro Football Focus, seven in five games than he had six all of last year. So he's, you know, he's been one of the guys that has had some issues and it leads to some of these bigger plays that we've seen happen out of the secondary. Um, the other part of the news with regards to Jeremy Reeves is it's potentially a season ending ACL injury. Um, uh, from what I gather, they're still trying to sort through that. But once that sort of hits the, the bloodstream, you hear that, you hear that term, you're like, Oh boy, it's fear is if, if that fear is being put out there, that's typically 
um the the real the fear is real as they say um obviously he's been a huge contributor as a special teams player pro bowl or all pro last year um and you know he's just the, you know one of the fan favorites a lot a great locker room guy i'm still stunned to this day that they haven't been able to sign him to an extension they just did the whole tender thing like what is he he's not asking for Deron Payne money like I don't understand how that guy you just don't lock lock him up I still kind of hope they still do frankly despite the injury um but uh, more depth uh loss there is in the safety spot um as well uh you, you mentioned uh, the Quan Martin thing of him having to play this is the reminds me of Scott Brooks and the Wizards where Scott Brooks would play like these like randos like Ron Baker more minutes than guys like Troy Brown when he was a first round pick and you're just like, well, this feels like such short-term thinking here. The NFL is not the NBA. You can't just throw a guy out there for two minutes, per se, and then bring him off. But, like, how does he not play a snap, Quan Martin? It is really – it is incredibly baffling to me. I mean, you're right. If he doesn't now, I don't even know. I can't even understand what that would mean. But he, it's just weird. Like, they don't seem to have a lot of vision sometimes with that regard. Just get – somebody's got to play at some point. Yeah, either that or they or he's really- terrible. Yeah, right. They are really are underwhelmed by what they're seeing, which, of course, raises a bunch of other questions, uh, principal among them. What were you doing spending a second round pick on this guy? Uh, I don't know. I I think it's actually going to be really interesting if Quan plays. How does he play? And, you know, does he hit the ground running or do we all get a glimpse of why the guy uh, has yet to play on a snap? You know, it's amazing. I mean, the secondary is reeling right now. I I think we've all essentially come to the realization of These defensive struggles are primarily about the secondary, maybe not entirely, but I think primarily like the secondary is the thing I've talked about that on my show this week. And, you know, of course it's like Murphy's law, right? Uh, And I'm not talking about Mark Murphy, but like the secondary is in this really bad place. And now you lose two guys from the secondary, including a guy who's played on 99% of your snaps so far this season. It's like when it rains, it pours. And, you know, I, I've thought a lot about this. I actually asked you about this on my show last week of like, well, what about other personnel changes? You know, could we see? And I, I don't know. I think to me, this is about just guys playing better. I don't think there's some magic bullet that you can fire here. Like, I just think the guys who have been out there have got to be better. I think they're capable of being better. I do see this defense as being fixable. Um, but I, I don't think it's about like benching this guy, changing that guy altering this, you know, modifying that. I think it's just people need to be what they're capable of being. And that also includes the coaching. The coaching uh, can be better too. But um, I, I just think there's a lot more that this team can be getting from a number of uh, defensive backs on the team. Well, and part of the issue with, like, there's no magic bullet is, what would the change even be? There isn't, you know, I, I wrote, I mentioned this yesterday. It's something that I wrote that I'm, Can I admit that, like, I was overestimated their depth, and we talk about the secondary. I mean, the secondary in particular was an area where it felt like, wow, they really may have some pretty good options. And then, you know, a lot of the guys are just not producing. I know people want to bench Cody Barton and or Jamin Davis. You tell me who you're putting in instead. Like, David Mayo and Khalid Hudson have played an entire one snap, and and these are veterans. This isn't a rookie like Quan Martin. We're like, well, let's see what he can do. These are guys – that have been playing. I was. We talked about a lot about the rookie class and how they're just not playing, other than Forbes. If you conclude everything, including free agents, if I told you that the best offseason acquisition they made was Jamison Crowder, would you? Could you counter that? 
is, is there am I missing something? And I'm not saying Jameis he's been fine, you know, but he's not he's not like you know Brian Mitchell back there. That that is there, and I don't even know who would be second, like definitively. So that their off season is looking like an absolute disaster right now. Five games through the season. Yeah, I mean, maybe Abdullah Anderson, you know, <laughs> you know, we're really reaching on that. Yeah. And, you know, I don't even consider Crowder an offseason acquisition. I guess it depends on how you define offseason. But that to me is more like a training camp preseason. Right, acquisition. right. There, there was I, no I, plan to it. Exactly. Yeah, I, I was put like the August pickups in different categories than like the March pickups. I, I think it's a little different in that regard. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was really telling when you asked Ron about uh the you know the underwhelming draft class and also free agency class and he pivoted into talking about the team playing a young quarterback and it was it, it was like huh that, that's not what you just got asked and he's, he he gives this like stock answer about playing a young quarterback and how if sam howell plays better then everyone else will look better and i don't know i mean maybe with andrew wiley that's true but that's not true with cody barton right i mean I, you know i, I don't know I, I just i got a kick out of that uh, when Ron said that. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not a huge advocate in teams going bonkers in free agency. I think free agency is a sucker's game. You overpay for veteran players with substantial mileage for whom there are reasons that those players' initial teams did not keep them. But that doesn't mean that you can't make good moves in free agency. That certainly doesn't mean that you can't improve yourself as a team in free agency. And uh, it is highly debatable whether this team did that. Now, we'll see. You know, I mean, we're five games into this. Maybe it ends up that Andrew Wiley isn't so bad and, you know, Cody Barton isn't so bad. But for now, it doesn't look good. And the same thing, of course, with the draft class. And I think we all get you do have to reserve ultimate judgment on a draft class for really multiple years. But the initial returns are not good. And, you know, with Emmanuel Forbes, I mean, I, I know his situation has been talked to death. But, like, let's take a step back. You spend a number 16 overall pick on a guy. You bench him in the fifth game of his rookie regular season. That's really bad. Okay, that is not something that happens often. That is not something certainly that is supposed to happen. You do that, that's really bad. That is extremely troubling. And it doesn't mean that Forbes is doomed to failure, but that is not the kind of thing you see with any kind of frequency in the NFL. Yeah, no. And, and you know, that's the thing, right? If, if Forbes is going through something, okay. But it isn't just him. It is breakdowns in a lot of other spots. And because, like we just said, they're really not getting much production out of anything that they that they, anyone they added in the offseason. And again, yes, it's, you know, just like when Ron Rivera was asked about making coaching changes, he's like, hey, it's only week five. It's too early. Agree. I mean, things can turn around. I mean, last year at this point, we were still think, looking at this team as like a disaster. And then obviously, you know, around this time is when they started to turn things around. So we'll see. And that includes a defense that by the end of the year, we were touting as a, or not the, the number said, we're a top 10 defense. So, Things can change, but at the moment, it doesn't look like it. And I think the larger point is it's year four, right? I mean, at some point, this just can't – it's not enough to just say, hey, they rallied to win four or five, and they finished the year, you know, around 500. Like, that's that's not enough, and that's why I think it's, is for me, at least, as frustrating as it's been over the last couple of years because it's not supposed to be this over and over and over and over again. Um, and here's the other thing about this, like – it, it ultimately really does feel like the sense of urgency to win this year was maybe more on the outside than it was on the inside, which isn't to say they're not trying to win. They're always trying to win. But the idea, like, maybe they're in some trouble. You mentioned R Rivera's answer to me when I asked about the disappointing production out of the um, 
out of the free agents in the draft. He mentions Sam Howell, like you said, and then he says this. He goes, um, it doesn't, let's say here, blah, blah, blah. And uh, looking, he's like looking at evaluating the draft class. There's a reason why we drafted some of those guys. Each of those guys, there's a reason for it. An example is Quan. What happened last year to Cam Curl, we really felt, meaning the injury to Curl and he missed some games, we really felt that we needed to have another top flight, young depth type of safety. And that's what we did in the draft. Okay. A young depth type of safety. Now, I have said before that Ron Rivera is not always the most reliable narrator. So you got to be careful with the list, uh, taking everything he says for granted or, or verbatim. But uh, he's saying that they, they drafted this guy because Cam Curl had been hurt last year. Uh, what? You needed to get somebody who could play for you now. And this is why between him and between Stromberg, it's like you just spent two day two, day two picks on guys who are blocked. I, I what? I don't buy the, the the reason that Rivera is saying he was blocked the other day. I think he's not playing well, Quan. But that is that that is just so out of whack for how I'm certainly looking at this team uh, last offseason. Yeah, again, like you said, he's not the most reliable narrator. So I don't know what to make anymore of the things that he says. Um, it, it's it's kind of like, you know, he says stuff, and I, I don't think that he's like purposely lying necessarily. But I think a lot of what he does is he says stuff that sort of sounds good in the moment and maybe has some truth to it, but isn't necessarily going to be uh, reiterated, you know, 24 hours later if he gets asked the same question. Like, you know, it's this kind of stuff that gets said. I mean, uh, so I, I don't I don't know. <laughs> you know, I didn't know what to make of that uh, when he said that. But, yes, on the surface, that is troubling. There's no doubt about that. To say nothing of, you know, you, you spend back-to-back picks on defensive players and – I initially took that as, hey, this team is just going best player available and just taking who the team sees as being uh, the best player on the board, which I think is the way to do the draft. But, you know, when he says something like that about Quan, that certainly makes you call that into question. And, you know, there is also this larger thing of in an offensive league, this team continuing to double down on spending premium draft capital uh, on defense. And, and, you know, and I think we're really seeing, especially with what's happened with the defense so far this year, it's like, Defense in this current NFL is this volatile, you know, unreliable thing. And like, yes, there are good defenses, but by and large, defenses are at the mercy of opposing quarterbacks. And so if you're going to spend high level draft capital on anything, it really should be offense, which is the thing that drives success uh, far more than defense, I think, anyway, uh, with what's going on right now but yeah you know with the urgency thing I I, I've thought a lot about this when it comes to like Ron's job security more and more I don't know that the record matters as much as we all thought I I think a lot of this is just about does Josh Harris view Ron Rivera as the guy who Josh wants being the head coach moving forward and you know right now I think the answer would be a definitive no right but like I, I don't know like whether the team goes nine and eight or eight and nine or ten and seven or seven and ten. I don't know that that matters as much as just at the end of the day, Josh Harris, with how he views sports, with how he wants to run the commanders, does he view Ron as the guy who Josh wants running things moving forward? And I think the answer already is no. But I think that's what his job security, Ron's job security comes down to. Uh, I think in theory, or at least potentially more than even the record. And, uh, you know, I, I think that that may be what's in play here. And I guess what I'm trying to say is this. Even if Ron does go, say, 10-7 and seven this season, if Josh looks at Ron and says, 
I don't want this guy running things moving forward. I want a younger coach. I want an offensive-minded coach. Then I think Ron still could be out. You know, I, I don't know that the record is going to ever be more important than the way Josh views the bigger picture of what he wants with commander's football operations. I, I, I agree. When I wrote a couple weeks ago after the Buffalo game, when you started people going, oh, Kobe Brissett, I, I, <laughs> I, I, and I wrote, Hey, you gotta, they gotta stay with Sam Howe no matter what, because they gotta either swim or sink with this kid. But I also wrote that. I think this is the more logical path at this point for Rivera to get in with Josh Harris, that the record again, just inching your way up to the, to make the playoffs, which or getting close, which is what they've been doing going back before Ron with, with Gruden, with Shanahan, where they had these winning streaks towards the end of the year, but they really weren't like a, a, a good team or a contending team. Um, but for philosophically to stick with the Sam Howell to say, Hey, we we're going to sink or swim with this kid. That is the Josh Harris mindset that we've seen with the Sixers. Play, and I frankly think it's a good one. You got to get out of the middle. And uh, so, yeah, I'm with you. I think it is a, a philosophical mindset approach and I'm with you. I would not pair the, I would not think that those pairing those two together is ultimately the way um, this thing uh, plays out. Um, all that said, they, they've got a game this week, uh, Atlanta. Uh, I think we were all hoping that maybe uh, Desmond Ritter would stink enough in this past game to force a, a, a Taylor Heineke uh, entrance, but I don't know if that's happening. Maybe maybe we'll get Heineke in there as a uh, on a on a on a trick play or a kick return or who knows what. Um, what forget Atlanta though for a second. What what do you need to see from Washington beyond getting a win? What's the thing that you need to see to say okay, maybe they've righted the ship a little bit, or maybe this is a, an appropriate move for them to have made at this point well the defense has got to play at a much higher level and you know no one is expecting a perfect game we know that defenses give stuff up in the current nfl but we cannot have what we have had over these last four games these last uh three games in particular um you know the defense was atrocious in that loss to the bears there needs to be substantial improvement and you know you have a guy in desmond ritter who has not had a good season but he is coming off the best game of his career and you know you have a head coach in the falcons arthur smith who knows offense and who you know wants to beat this team given what happened with uh old Artie's father uh with the team uh you know not that long ago so i i think really we need to see this defense take a step forward in, in a big way and um, you know, you go back to the last time the defense was really bad, the 2021 season. It was bad really over the first eight games of that season. And then things started to get better. This can't be something that takes until the middle of the season to get better. Like the improvement needs to start now. The Falcons are capable, certainly have offensive weapons. But, you know, this is not some world beater of a team either. Uh, so I just, you know, we, we've got to see the defense take a step forward. The other thing it would be this. I thought that Sam Howell played well in the second half of the loss to Chicago. And it's a funny deal because the sack thing really is out of control. A team that had two sacks the entire season had five against the commanders on Thursday night. But even with the sack problem, I think there's a lot of good stuff that we're seeing from Sam Howell right now. I, I think if you're a commanders fan, you should be far more encouraged than discouraged by him. Does he continue to do well? And could he maybe win a game for them? You know, could it maybe be... That as the defense tries to figure itself out, 
It is Sam and the offense who have to shoulder the load. The exact opposite was supposed to be the case. But maybe that's the way to look at this commander season right now, that instead of the defense shouldering the load while the offense figures itself out, uh, the offense has to shoulder the load while the defense figures itself out. You know, you mentioned before um, that Rivera pivoted to a question about the offseason to Sam Howe. And then we also discussed that maybe winning the, the record is not as important to Stang perhaps Rivera has decided or somebody suggested to him logically, whenever you're in a doubt, just throw out Sam Howe's name because, <laughs> because that's to me, that is the season. I mean, I, I understand fans want to win the next game and, and all that. I totally get that for me as somebody who looks at this from the big picture perspective, if Sam Howe shows that he's a real quarterback, I don't care what the record is at the end of the year. This is a win for this team. If he is a guy that you can go forward and say, we think we have our quarterback based on something that actually happened, not just hypothetically, but he actually did these things. That is a huge, huge deal for, for whatever happens next. And so, yeah, I would, I would do whatever I had to do to help him more than anything you know, above and beyond anything else. I don't know if that, I mean, I, I think people want like Andrew Wiley bench. I don't think that's really a thing. Um, I, like I don't, you know, Cordelius Lucas, I don't think is moving the needle there. I don't really know what you do, running back and receiver. I mean, what do you, this, you've got the guys you want out there. You want more Cole, Cole Turner. All right. I don't know. Logan Thomas is playing pretty well. Whatever I have to do to help Sam Howe, that's what I'm going to do. And by the way, that kind of includes me. It's taking him out when the sacks are getting out of hand in a game that you're not going to win. Yeah, I, I had no problem with Ron keeping Sam in the game against Buffalo because I thought there was value in Sam playing his way through what was a wretched performance. But Thursday night was different. Sam was not wretched in that game. The game was out of hand, and he ended up taking, yeah, those two sacks in garbage time, which didn't do anybody any good. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, it's just funny, though, because, like, okay, if Sam develops well, in theory, that's more because of Eric Bieniemy than Ron Rivera. So even if Sam does do well, that still could end up costing Ron his job because, at the very least, you know, you might give the uh, head coaching spot uh, to Eric Bieniemy. The other thing, too, is this. If Sam does well and the commanders seem to have themselves a good quarterback in this guy and Ron gets fired, does that not make the commander's head coaching job rather attractive? You know, and maybe the job goes to Eric Bieniemy, but then again, maybe not. I mean, I don't think we should just assume that. Uh, but, you know, if you are a Ben Johnson or you are a hot shot offensive coordinator elsewhere and you look at Washington and you see this quarterback on the rise in Sam Howell, uh, might that make uh, this job an appealing job, especially when you also throw in new ownership, a ton of salary cap space for next season? Uh, I don't know. I, I think that could actually very much work in Washington's favor beyond just the obvious of Sam Howell being a good quarterback. That could actually really help to elevate the head coaching job should it become open. That's why, like, my, my feelings after that last game, while obviously embarrassing, it would have been bad enough just to lose to the Bears to more or less get, you know, thoroughly defeated uh, throughout the game was really jarring. But Sam Howe was, was was good. I mean, at one point he was like twenty one of twenty five, and, and that's yeah. not you know he was the quarterback of the offense that scored that had less than hundred yards in the first half. But at the, at the end of the day, as long as he keeps showing growth and improvement, I'm going to not view every loss as a disaster, even if that one was an absolute uh, disaster. Um, any final thoughts from you, and anything else of note that as you're sitting there and you're perched at uh, Al Galdi Podcast headquarters. Uh, whether it's on the field, off the field, silliness, anything else, anything else sort of uh, top of mind for you? 
Well, I thought the video that Mayor Bowser uh, tweeted out, I think it was on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was basically like a two minute promotional video for the Commanders Next Stadium to be in Washington, D.C. I thought that was interesting on a lot of levels, including the inclusion of Doug Williams in the video. Doug was in the video along with Daryl Green. Doug Williams, as many people listening know, is an employee of the Commanders. And Doug was in a video that was, you know, 100% a propaganda piece for the city of D.C. to get the Commanders next stadium. I, you know, I think a lot of people, myself included, feel like, okay, the betting favorite right now is D.C., although there still are hurdles that must be overcome. But I thought that that was telling, that a Commanders employee uh, was in a video like that. I think that's a great point. I've been saying, and maybe it's the contrarian in me, that I would still put Maryland the favorite as the incumbent. And because I'm still not convinced that the D.C. government is going to um, spend the money, you know, that, that's needed. Where like, I feel like Maryland is in lockstep on the local and the state level to do this. D.C. thinks there's still some hurdles. But like you said, Doug Williams Oppelty represents a lot of things, but he is an employee. And you can't imagine that the Harris group was like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. We don't know what we're going to do. I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe it is just that. Um, Apparently also the ringer is on the uh, DC payroll. Yeah. Based on uh, who was in there, including my guy, Joe house. Um, yeah, that, that is, uh, that is interesting. It's going to be fun to see when we actually hear anything on that front. I mean, you know, I, I will just say to end on this with regards to like Rivera and things like that. Uh, I know people were calling for, for heads to fire this person, get rid of that person. Other than the development of Sam Howe, and frankly, this might be more important. I want these owners to understand what it is that they're walking into. I want them to take their time, gather all the information. Again, they only got, they only took over the team like the day before training camp started, essentially learn the ropes, understand what's gone wrong here. What can go right here? What do they need to do? Be patient and that includes all fronts, um, you know, including, um, you know, everything, the stadium, the, like, like just put emotion on the side, figure out what you need to do and move forward. So that's why I don't think they should make any moves on regard to the coaching front or any of these fronts until we get much deeper into the season. By the time they get to say week 15, if things have gone awry, then you have to start saying, okay, we need to get ahead of this thing. But on all these fronts, just take your time. And if that means even if Doug Williams is out there for a little bit of, say, propaganda, it's fine. It doesn't really mean that much. They're going to make whatever the best decision they think is to be made. But just be patient. And I'm more than happy if they are on all these fronts for now. So with Doug, though, you would agree that he doesn't just do that rogue. Like, he got permission to be in that video. Do you think that's a safe assumption? I would assume that. I mean, maybe that's something I should, as an intrepid reporter, should uh, – should ask but yeah I, I do think that that's um yeah it's no I, i'm with you i think that is as notable as anything all these other things that keep happening i don't nothing you know magic johnson saying anything about anything does not mean squat to me um or or whatever every time something happens oh here we go you know i mean the washington post puts out these stories oh here we go no it doesn't that doesn't mean anything but i do agree with you doug williams in a in a in, a, in an ad essentially that is that is interesting. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, if he did it on his own, I think he probably is in some trouble. But assuming that he didn't, that would seem to be, you know, in theory, that takes away some leverage from Josh Harris. If if you have an employee saying, "Yeah, we want the next stadium to be in D.C.," like, okay, well, then your desires are are you know out there uh, in the open. So 
uh, that did uh, that did jump out. But th- there's no doubt. I mean, I, I think that Josh Harris taking his time, you know, use this season in a lot of ways is like information gathering. I think that is the right way to go. I- I'm not, you know, on board with this thing of like, you know, Harris needs to be doing more right now or, you know, how dare Josh be laughing during the Bears game. I know that that's been a thing. Like, we, we don't know the circumstances of why he was laughing. Like, I don't think he is taking what happens with the team lightly. I wonder in the back of his mind if maybe his mind might not already be made up on a number of things. And he's just going to see how the rest of this season plays out to see if his mind gets changed. But like, I wonder, you know, gun to Josh Harris's head right now, if he, if he would, if he could tell you, yeah, I want to do this, this, and this, and it's going to happen at the end of the season, you know, barring this team going on some incredible run. Like I I think that's possible too. Uh, But you know, the, the measured, you know, rational approach is the way to go. We had the opposite of that the last 24 years. I, I don't know why uh, anyone would be advocating for that now. And even if his mind is made up, which could be on a few fronts, the ability to not show that hand right, is yeah. key. So many times, you know, you, you, you screw yourself up by overshowing your hand Instead of just saying, "Oh, this is the natural progression of things," do you have a do you have another second? I have a non-commanders thing that just came up in my inbox. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Monumental Sports, the home of the Wizards, the Caps, the Mystics, etc., just announced a direct-to-consumer subscription membership featuring live Capitals, Wizards, and Mystics games. So this is where things are heading, I think, in a lot of these uh, RSN worlds where the teams are sending or the the teams are going to offer people a subscription. So if you don't have Comcast or Xfinity or whatever or anything, you can just go through them. and And I think the fear is that this is what teams will ultimately do. That in addition to doing your, your paying your cable bundle, you're going to have to pay for these things. It says here fans can purchase monthly or annual memberships priced at $19.99 per month or $199.99 a year. I'll just leave. Uh, this is a fear of, of mine. Like I, it's one thing if ever, if, if it, the network comes on my cable bundle, but you're going to tell me hypothetically there may become a day where we're going to pay extra to watch any of this stuff. Forget the fact that the wizards are at the moment, you know, rebuilding and the caps are fading or whatever. No, no, don't do this. I think that this is where sports TV has been headed for many years. I mean, I I think there are a lot of people who would say, just let me pay for what I want to watch, right? Instead of me paying for a cable package or, you know, a streaming package uh, that gives me a bunch of stuff that I don't want. But, you know, I've always wondered this with this monumental sports network, and I hope that this network works. I want everything in certainly Washington, D.C. sports media to work. I think that benefits all of us, but... You know, when you have an entity that essentially doesn't do anything with the football team and doesn't do anything with the baseball team, unless Ted ends up buying the baseball team, which, you know, we know that he wants to do, but that isn't necessarily imminent here. Are you going to be able to generate enough of an audience to be successful, to be profitable? And in this instance of what you just brought up, are there enough people who are going to be willing to pay to watch Wizards and Capitals and Mystics games? I hope that the answer is yes. There certainly are many Caps fans, Wizards fans, Mystics fans in this area, but are there enough 
to make this venture truly successful. You know, uh, if you're monumental, you know, you, you, you can have the business plan of you keep costs down. And so maybe you don't need some massive audience for this thing to work. But I think it is dicey. I mean, we've seen some of the local television ratings in recent years. Those things are kept, you know, essentially cloaked in secrecy. But at times when they have come out, you know, especially the Wizards ratings, they are not overwhelming. You know, there is not a ton of interest in that team. Personally, I would rank the Wizards as the number four team in D.C. I, I think it's Commanders, Nationals, Capitals, and then Wizards in terms of the interest in this area when you talk about the big four pro sports teams. So I do wonder about that. I think it's going to be fascinating to see. Is there enough interest in the Wizards, Caps, and Mystics to make mo the Monumental Sports Network the success uh, that you know our guy Ted wants it to be? I hope the answer is yes, but uh, I think there are some real questions there. Well, and this is why he's desperate to get the Nationals. Because if you get the Nationals, while that would be a whole other conversation, okay, now it's a year-round thing. Because part of my issue is, like, what else am I doing besides the games? The, yeah. the I mean, you know, they, we'll see what happens. I'll, I'll, I'll reserve judgment to a degree, but you know, I don't care about their in-house propaganda shows. So if you're not going to give me anything that isn't remotely in the realm of sports conversation where we can just say the good things about these teams and also question things, I'm out. I, I mean, that's not for me, but obviously if you want to watch the games, you want to watch the games. Uh, you always want to listen to Al Galdi, the Al Galdi podcast, Monday to Friday. The man is a machine. He's kind enough to join me once a week. I'll be on with him on his podcast next week uh, at Al Galdi on the thing we used to call Twitter. Uh, my guy, appreciate it. Anything we need to know about what you've got coming up this week? Uh, big show for Wednesday. Uh, I'm going to have a conversation with Mark Bullock uh, talking about the commanders from an X's and O standpoint. We're going to attempt to address the fix for the commander's defense. How do we fix this thing? We're going to give it a shot, so we'll see. Uh, Mark Bullock, I've heard of him. Uh, Al, appreciate it. Uh, we'll talk soon. Yes, thank you very much, man. Appreciate it. All right, joining me here to discuss this week's game are Falcons beat reporter Josh Kendall, who does a great job covering Atlanta. Uh, my guy, I appreciate uh, the, the, the time. Every, every season is different. Every team is different. And for you, uh, people in this part of the world want to know, has it been different that you get to cover the great Taylor Heineke? How's that going? I know he's not playing, but... There was a there was a minute not long ago that I thought we might be welcoming Taylor Heineke back to the starting lineup against the Commanders this week, and then Desmond Ritter comes out and throws for three twenty nine. Um, so you know, I think having Taylor Heineke in the building has been good for Atlanta. Certainly, as you know, and probably everybody in Washington knows, he's a great guy to get to know. You know, he's had a house like ten minutes from the Falcons practice facility for two years. Right. His sister lives. His sister lives ten miles down the road. His nephew is two. He gets to come to some practices. Um, so it's you know I think it's been a real seamless fit. He was happy. I talked to him this week. I talked to him Monday. You know he was happy with the contract that he got from the Falcons. Feels like he can you know stuff some money in the bank now. So I think this has been a win-win for everybody um, with Taylor Heineke and the Falcons. And there's still no guarantee that he's not going to be this team's starting quarterback at some point this year. Yeah, no, look, I mean, from, from a, you know, obviously it was a very unique circumstance here where he, you know, nobody knows who he is. He comes out of nowhere. He starts a playoff game against Tom Brady. He's diving for pylons. He's playing well. And he became a cult hero. And then he kind of kept it up the next two years when, you know, he comes off the bench and, and, and helps his team at least get into position to, to compete for a playoff berth. But, um, 
you know, I don't think people here ever viewed him as a real potential starter. I mean, fans, some fans did for sure. I don't think the building did. Um, but like, yeah, but his like his like energy, he he just became such a fan favorite. But has that has that any kind of vibe that like happened with the fan base, or does he need to play actually, or or is like is there a clamor out there for people to say, hey, we want him in because of Ritter's ups and downs? I think he needs to play before the fans really sort of take him on as, as one of their guys. But I think that his energy has been good in the building. Desmond's a pretty serious guy. Not just Desmond Jones. Desmond's a serious guy. I think Taylor's energy balances that out a little bit. Desmond runs the Tuesday meeting um, with the skill players. Taylor has, you know, quietly helped him, you know, transition into that role as a starter. I think he's been good for that. So I don't know that the Falcons, you know, the Falcons fans were all about let's play the backup quarterback last week. Not necessarily because it was Taylor Heineke, just because they were so frustrated. With it. Sure. No, I, I think, like, we're, we're all convinced here, somehow, some way, Taylor Heineke is playing in this game. And I think we were all thinking, like you just sort of said, if Ritter had a clunker last week, that, you know, this would almost be too perfect to have Heineke start against these guys. So I don't know if it's going to be a uh, – uh, a, a reverse, some sort of trick play, or Ritter sprains an ankle for a couple seconds. Somehow Heineke's playing. I don't know. I, it's 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 it's, an, it's the gods who got to allow this. That's all I can tell you. Feels like feels like this. <laughs> it does. It does. Um, so obviously, you know, it's interesting with Ritter because you know, Ritter and Sam Howe were both in the same class. Ritter was went in the third round, Howe on the fifth, and I, I think you know those are two guys I was definitely keeping an eye on. Um, I liked how, but I remember hearing at the time that Ritter could go basically right after Pickett and ascent, or you know, and Malik Willis. And that's kind of um, what happened in that general range. Um, you know, Sam Howell, it's been an interesting story. A fifth round pick, really? You're going to go with this guy? You know, when you're trying to make the playoffs, and Atlanta's been kind of in the same boat. I guess you could say a third round pick is a bit higher, um, and they gave him some starts last year. How has it gone though? I know he's coming off probably his best game, but in general, like how is that experiment going? I mean, I think it's still very much to be determined. Um, it, they, the offense did not. The offense looked good last week, best game, and at the same time, that all equaled 21 points. So there's still there's still a lot of work to be done. The two games prior to this, Desmond and the offense were straight bad, and in the first two games of the year, they were just sort of just did enough which is what Atlanta kind of expected from Desmond Ritter. Just do enough on offense to let what's a pretty good defense now and a good run game take care of everything else. So he started there, went, took a steep downhill decline, and then bounced back last week. But you know, I, I think it would be foolish to think, okay, Desmond Ritter has turned the corner. Here he goes. It's just a week-to-week basis. Yeah, I mean – this is what's interesting about both of these teams, right? I know from, from here, this is Ron Rivera's fourth year, and there's a new owner as well. So it's kind of like, all right, kind of feel like something has to give. He has to show some sort of growth, whether that's with the record, make the playoffs, win a game in the playoffs, or even if it's just showing some sort of progress overall with the organization to make people think this is the way to go. And so to go with a young quarterback, with, I mean, Sam Howell only had the one start at the end of last year, you know, that, that sort of, a, you know, seems to go against the grain of what what it, what it one is thinking. And I guess to some degree, I, I don't know what Arthur Smith's um, status is or, or if there's concern he could be on the hot seat. And obviously, 
You know, we also know, you know, our, our old pals from up here, Kyle Smith is down there in the front office. And I don't know where, where they are in terms of people saying, hey, you got to win or else. But, is it, you know, is there some of that going on as well? And that's a, such a challenge with these quarterbacks. You, if you don't have one or if you're not sure you have one, you're kind of nowhere. Yeah, I don't think that this is a win or else season for this regime. And I don't think it's based off that. And I think it's based off that. I'm not sure they would have been as comfortable going in with Desmond Ritter. I think Arthur Smith felt like Desmond Ritter. This is this is me reading the tea leaves. I think Arthur Smith felt like Desmond Ritter could do it. Desmond Ritter could be up to this job. And I want to spend all my money on other things right now. And I don't, you know, there's not an easy pass to a quarterback this year, to a better quarterback. And I think I've got two years anyway. So I think I've got a year to play with from a job security standpoint to see if Ritter's the guy. Then if he's not, we figure out a way to get a new guy in here. And then, you know, if you're just looking at this, and let's be honest, we're all human. If you're looking at this from Arthur Smith, Terry Fontenot, et cetera, guys who have jobs that they really like and really would like to keep. So you show some progress in a lot of other areas, but not necessarily in the win-loss record. What do you do if you're those guys at the end of the year? You go to Arthur Blank and you say, well, we got everything else figured out. We gave the kid a shot at quarterback. It's not going to work. Now we're going to go get our quarterback, and we're off to the races. And you kind of buy yourself a little, even a little more cushion. So I think Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot, et cetera, Kyle Smith, will be here in 2024. I think they felt comfortable about that. The question is, will Desmond Ritter be their guy? Well, I mean, you know, from the outside, it feels like quarterback aside, there is a lot that has that, that has improved over time. I mean, the defense, you know, does, it looks like it's a pretty stout group. The offensive line, I know Chris Lindstrom is one of the highest paid linemen in the league. Uh, you've got, you know, fantasy football darlings or people hope they were, you wish they were darlings, maybe Kyle Pitts and Drake London guys who are just these phenomenal prospects, top 10 picks coming out. And then of course, now you add B. John Robinson to, to the mix. I mean, that's a pretty scary group minus the, the, the quarterback. Um, but in terms of the offense, I mean, you know, you mentioned it's just still not scoring a ton of points. How, how have those, I mean, obviously Bijan's look really good, but how have those other guys sort of in total looked at a having slow times to a degree because of their own uh, progress or is it just the quarterback situation that, you know, that, that's kind of what's holding everything back? I think that they're all tied together. They're all in this together with River and Drake London and Kyle, especially, you know, their futures are tied, are tied to how well Ritter plays. Pitts, now on his own, I think is still recovering from the knee, still not back to 100% physically, still not back to 100% with his confidence. Drake London has been pretty steady um, in, in the opportunities he's gotten, but they're really tied to how well Ritter plays. And, you know, frankly, they haven't, they also, he's tied to them too, because they haven't helped him a ton. Um, their route running story has not been what you would have expected it to be from those two guys. Um, in the first five games of the year. So they've got to do a better job helping him. He's got to do a better job of helping them. And this this offensive line that was really good at run blocking last year, you know, has taken a maybe a half step back in that area. They've got to get back to that. So they're all pretty tied together. Yeah, no, it, it, it's such a like, – like I said, on the surface, if you told me Kyle Pitts, Drake London, B. John Robinson, I'd be like, whoa. And you've got a good offensive line? I, I, that, that to me would be a pretty – exciting group but right i mean the kyle pitts thing is so weird from the outside this you know i mean nobody takes a tight end as high as atlanta did he's this generational talent and 
I, I had him on my fantasy team last year. Wasn't happy. I almost wanted to call you a couple times and say, what the, what, what are we doing here? Um, but, uh, you know, uh, they'll have to uh, work that out. But what, what about on the, on the, um, on the defensive side? What's the, I, I like Washington's big issue is they're giving up one sack after another. And it seems like Atlanta's issue is can't get any sacks. What, what's going on with that? And is this maybe a game where Atlanta thinks it can uh, kind of get right on that side? Well, I think that, you know, for now they're, they're saying the right things about the sacks. They're saying we're affecting the quarterback, the sacks will come. But this is a this is a team that going back five years, it's a 10 years, has had trouble getting the quarterback on the ground. That number needs to improve. Um, but you, you don't want to take that you're critical of that group in that regard because they've been so much better than they were a year ago. They put this offense in, the position, in position to win every game, certainly every game outside of the Detroit game, and even the Detroit game, they played really well in the second in the second half. Yes, they do think they can get right against Sam Howell, I think. I mean, they really praise how tough Sam Howell is this week. They really play, praise how he sticks in there in the pocket, you know, and he, you know, he'll stay in the pocket and blah, 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 blah. It's almost like they were just begging him to keep doing that. Just stay right there, and we think we can finally get home this week. So, you know, I think I looked at Sam, Sam's been sacked at least three times in every game he's played. You know, it, a two-sack game would be a pretty good game. <laughs> yeah, well, it'll be interesting. This will be a good test for, for the for Washington on that front as well because some of it is certainly on the offensive line, but a lot of it is Sam Howell's just penchant for holding the ball, holding the ball. And, you know, if Atlanta has struggled to get to the quarterback and, and is able to this game, I think for, on this end it's going to say a lot more about you know, what what the issue is versus if it's just a team that's dominant on the line that, that's able to just get after the quarterback. And it was the same thing last week. The Bears only had, I think, two sacks going into the game and finished with five. So, you know, you can tell Arthur Smith that there's uh, some hope there um, for uh, for the for the, uh, for the Falcons. What, what, what else are you kind of looking at for this game or what's sort of the chatter been? Like, what's the key from the Atlanta side as to how to get this done? I want to know kind of what's going on with Rodgers. And like I mentioned earlier, Atlanta's run rushing game has not been the force that it was last year. And Washington's run, but Washington's run defense has not been great. So if you're looking, if the Falcons are looking to get right in sacks defensively, I think they're looking to get right in their run game this week. And probably look at that Washington run defense and say, some folks have run on them. This is our calling card. If we can't run on them, I'm going to be pretty pissed off at you guys. Um, all right. Well, look, my key to victory is taking full advantage of the of the food in the Atlanta Falcons press box. Uh, I don't know how you you, you know you're you're a you, you know you're a, a healthy looking man. You're you're not looking like you're uh, the perception of like the, the overweight sports reporter. How do you do that? Because I, I don't think, I mean, there's no way obviously regular people listening would know this. A, am I wrong? The Falcons press box has got to be a Super Bowl contender as far as uh, food goes for these things. I mean, it's, it, when I've been there, it's been tremendous. It is usually a lick. What I do, honestly, is usually home games, I ate once at the I ate one time. Now I plow through it. it, it right before, you know, 11 o'clock or so. 11, 30, I'll plow through all those stations that they've got. And that usually, and then I'm, you know, then you're working the rest of the day, and that holds you, that holds you through. It's good food. 
I think it was 2019 was the first time I went, and my, my first reaction was, and this probably says something about me, that, like, the food setup was so good I would bring a date here. Like, I was like, I was like wow, this is, this is tremendous. Bad idea. And, and, bad idea. and any new items I should be uh, or any items I should be aware of. It's been a couple of years. Well, no, it, it, you know, it changes most every week. So, you know, hope for something good on the carving station. All right, o- o- always uh, willing to do that. Um, all right, go follow Josh on uh, Twitter. Is at Josh the Athletic. Go read his stuff to get ready for this game. And you know, it's going to be a really interesting one to say. Oh, by the way, I do have one actually one more question for you. Does it ever come up down there? You know, obviously the ownership situation here was, you know, all anybody talked about for several years. And part of that deal was Dan Snyder's relationship with his former partners, which included Fred Smith, the founder of FedEx, who is also the father, of course, of Arthur Smith. And that relationship did not end well, though the one, you know, just the one between Snyder and, and the father. Uh, does that ever come up? Like, is there any ever notion of like Arthur Smith like wants to get this one to some degree for the dead or or, or, or any type of extra uh, there? Do you think? I think that uh, Arthur is very close to his dad, and sort of a revenge game feels very much Arthur feels very Arthur Smith. So could could it be a factor? Definitely. But Arthur has never talked about that. I worked on a story. Frank, you know worked on a story for a year. It wasn't, I shouldn't say that because it wasn't that good about Arthur Smith and how his dad's business acumen sort of shaped the way he coaches the football team. And, you know, I tried three, four times that year to get Fred Smith on the phone and that was a no-go. So he's pretty, you know, he does a, he does a very um, determined job of staying out of He's around a lot. Um, but got, got to say, well, between Arthur Smith Kyle Smith obviously was here for several years where he went down there. Taylor Heineke, there's all, I mean, I wouldn't say Taylor Heineke would be a revenge game, but you know, a little, little extra spice. So could be a lot going on from the Falcon side. And obviously the commanders need to win uh, very badly. Uh, Josh, I'll see you there on Sunday and I appreciate the time, man. All right. Thanks to Al Galdi and Josh Kendall for their time. Thanks to everyone here as always for checking out the podcast, checking out my work on the athletic. Um, as I said, I'll be in Atlanta, so looking forward to that, and uh, we'll see if this team, you know, that's the thing. They got Atlanta, then the Giants, they could be four and three in two weeks, and we'll forget all about what's 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 transpired here the last ten days or so. On the other hand, they could be uh, two and four, and then we have different conversations. But for now, this is a, a, a game that they can win. Atlanta is you know, a predominantly run-heavy team, whereas Washington has been one of the most pass-heavy teams uh, in the league, particularly in the first half. So the contrast of styles there, the commanders can sack the quarterback. Atlanta has struggled, another contrast as well. So very interesting to see whether uh, Arthur Smith, uh, the Falcons coach, or the Ron Rivera staff, uh, who, who comes up with the better plan to offset their deficiencies and attack the other team's weaknesses as well. All right. That is it for me. I really appreciate you guys as always. Uh, ben Standing signing off. Until next time. See ya.